We're ready for the next patient. Welcome to the BL Clinic. My name is Sister Unity. I'm one of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Hello, I'm Jose, or Dr. Jose. Since this clinic needed a doctor, and I was the closest thing. I'm a fish doctor. The two of us are fans of the BL genre. Known as shonen ai in Japan, and boys love in English-speaking countries, BL is a genre from Asia that has been growing popularity in the last couple of years. So in this podcast, we will be giving diagnosis, prescriptions, and prognosis for BL series. We are two gay men with a penchant for male-male love stories. So join us as we explore the world of BL and as we tease apart and analyze BL series from a unique queer-centric perspective. I guess we're not going to do a lot of introduction because like you said the other day, like who wants, who wants to know about our lives? They really just want to know what's going on with BL. My life is boring. Uh, what about your life? <laughs> oh, thank God. Thank God your life is boring. There's a war in Ukraine. There's a pandemic still going on. All these things are still going on. So thank the gods that you, Dr. Fish, have a boring life. I myself just returned from four, week, four months and one week in New York City where it was cold and I'm back in Los Angeles where it is warm and the oranges taste like the sun and it is very good to be back amongst all my things but I feel something that I think you feel too don't we both feel almost exhaustedly swamped with the number of BLs that we have to watch these days yes because BL is uh, becoming almost a shore now there's so many of them you know it's crazy there's a tsunami. It's a BL tsunami. One interesting thing is that we have been flooded with all these BLs, but we today are actually going to talk about a BL that aired a year ago, but we just watched it recently, right? And the reason is that this BL, in the midst of all this tsunami, this BL remains the big kahuna of BLs. Can you guess which one it is? It is something that involves astronomy. I told Sunset about you. I promised you the moon. You know what's interesting is that this BL is from 2020. I told Sunset about you, yes. right? It's from 2020. Right. And 2020 gave, uh, gave us also a couple of top BLs for a lot of people. It, it was the year Game that... Boys? It is the year that Game Boys aired. It was also the yeah. year that Together aired. It is also yeah. the year that Gaia Sa Película aired. And it is also the year yes. that Till We Meet Again ended. Because Until We Meet Again, I think, started in 2019 and ended in 2020. So Yes, I think that's right. It's, it's a big it year. Was a, it was a BL. vanguard year. It was, the, it was the year that the Philippines, who had been producing BLs, but it was the year that the Philippines really made their mark. I think my day was 2020 as well. Am I wrong? Oh, yes. You're right. Yes, 2020. So, yeah, yeah. there's a bunch uh, of really good BLs from 2020. Boys Logan is from 2020, yes. So it was really a, a rock and roll year with high, high quality. But we would be remiss if we did not cover I Told Sunset About You and I Promised You the Moon. And we're talking about them both. They were two seasons, but we're going to talk about them as kind of one big two-part project. Because it really is one story or two-part story of, of, uh, of these two lovers. Yes. No, no side couples. No side couples. Not, re not really, no. Now, I Told Sunset About You aired in 2020 came at the very last part of the year and there was so many BLs that I had to be trying to catch up and I was really busy at work. So at least for me, I didn't have time to watch it back then. So I put it in the back burner and now I watch it recently. How about you? Why didn't you watch it when it aired? Part of it is also like it aired 
in a platform that was kind of difficult to access to, right? Yes, it aired in a platform that I did not have access to. You'll pardon me for being a cheap bastard, but <laughs> I am from Maine, and Maine is where we grow cheap bastards like me. <laughs> uh, and so I don't pay for a lot of streaming services for BLs. I really rely on YouTube and whatever is free because it's uh, a year or a few months older on Viki or sometimes uh, some of the others if they're free. Because otherwise I'd be paying like $8 here, $10 there, $4 here, and it all adds up and I'm broke. I'm in the arts. We're not raking in a lot of money in the arts. I went into something lucrative like theater. Yeah. I should switch my job and get something high paying, like, I don't know, painting. So <laughs> that's why I delayed. And then everyone was talking about it. And the way they were talking about it, I couldn't decide whether I needed to make an extra effort to watch it or not, because it was extremely well done by reputation. But I was very keenly aware of how, how they did the epitome of what I've known about Ty BL since the beginning. Ty BL writers and directors know how to beautifully, poetically slide a silver knife into your heart and then slowly twist it. The exquisite agony of, of watching BLs, particularly Thai BLs, and how they squeeze our hearts. And this one, from what everyone was saying, was going to be the grandmommy of all heart twisters. So that made me a little scared. I was a little cowardly about approaching that. Did I want to go through that kind of an intensive experience? This seemed deeply heart-twisting. So that's, that, that, that put me off a little bit until it became both available and it just became time that you and I sat down and watched it. And mostly because you, Dr. Fish, you started to watch it and I thought, Okay, if he can do it, I should do it. So I did. Yes. Uh, what got you watching? It's kind of interesting. What happened was that I had been, I had been watching the yearbook. And everybody yeah. compared the yearbook to I told some said, are you? And, yeah. And, How did yeah. they? Yeah, they, they did. Have you watched the yearbook? I have. That's one that I have to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I watched it and, and I was like... I need to watch I Told Sunset About You because people keep comparing them. And so that's why I started watching it. So, yes, it was overhyped. That's, that also played a role a little bit. But I think mostly I just had a lot of things to watch. So, yeah, when I started watching the yearbook, I said, I want to watch I Told Sunset About You because I think the yearbook is very good. And I think at the end of this podcast, I will address that issue of whether they're compatible or not. I think we should at least mention big players here. So the big players are Bilkin and PP, who are the main actors, the two main actors. And then we have the director. That's right. Yes, boss. We have two directors. In fact, well, we the director two, yeah. of I Told Sunset, yeah, uh, the director of I Told Sunset About You went on to produce I Promised You the Moon. He did not direct the, the second season. He handed it off to an accomplished director who had uh, a hit with uh, Great Men Academy. Yes, but mean. he was a mean. He was a very mean director. Yes, his name is Mean. That's a, yes. So that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. There, yes. Insert laugh track here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this guy, no, this guy was. The, you're right. Mean is is very accomplished. Uh, had been a screenwriter for Great Man Academy, in Family We Trust, in one of the Project S series. Boss, who directed I Told Sunset About You, he has a little bit less of a history, yeah, but he did do My Ambulance, which has a BL side story. But the big thing is, here is the big thing. So the big thing is that the director knew 
the actors from my ambulance because uh, both actors were in my ambulance. That was actually their first series that they did together. And they it was a BL role. Mm, go figure. Yeah. So what did you like about this series? Well, the, the first thing that I liked, really, it's the biggest thing about the series for me. And that is the directing, the directing, the directing, the directing. This, the, the whole reputation, the giant reputation this series has really comes down to, in my opinion, the directing. The acting was very good. Superb performances from these two young actors, but uh, leveraged and made shiny and bright by exceptional directing. And not just how he was able to use the actors, but his style, his tone, his use of directorial tools, some of which we'll be talking about in later parts of the podcast, and the quality of the directing, the quality of the storytelling, was higher than most uh, BLs that we've seen. It stood out, even from early ones, you, pardon me for saying, I thought that this was a, a, of a higher artistic value, or certainly mm -hmm, more mm -hmm. poetic in mm -hmm. style than even Lovesick. Oh, I agree, I me? agree. Yes, you know, I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> it's funny, but I am. Well, there were different styles for one thing. Yeah. For one thing, there were different styles. Lovesick was very sort of, uh, you know, high school drama, high school yeah. realistic, you know, with a little bit of uh, romantic comedy flavor. This one was um, lyrical, poetic mm -hmm. and lyrical. Everything was shot in, in a kind of golden or sepia golden tone of light, like uh, what they call in, here in California, the golden light, which is why a lot of filmmakers in the earliest days of films moved to California from New York and Chicago, was to capture that golden light. And this film was awash. Everything was in this golden tone. I don't know if they just filmed from like three in the afternoon until five in the afternoon every day or what, but everything had that golden tone. Yeah, even, uh, the, inside, the, even the inside shots, I think, had it. That's right. And the room's interior filled with that yeah. light were often natural wood like the bedrooms were these beautiful natural wood of these beautiful older thai buildings that gave you this feeling i mean when i first saw the ads and clips for told sunset about you on youtube before it had come out i thought oh how interesting they've set a bl in 1930 or 1940 in thailand uh, and it turns out they didn't they just put it in the buildings that were built then <laughs> um, but it gave it a very different flavor because in all the other bls we see just now i'm watching cutie pie and as i told you i think it should be called wealthy pie because here's yet another bl set in glass and chrome and concrete high upscale high fashion houses that you would see in home and garden magazine and there's countless lovely writer was the same countless bls have been set in these beautiful thai contemporary thai homes and here all of a sudden we're, we're we're not in bangkok we're not even in chiang mai we're down in phuket and we're in houses that are a little more worn uh, a little older which gave it a real realistic flavor not a kind of squeaky clean here's the best of thailand for the entertainment industry flavor and that all helped to make the relationship sit as a, a more realistic portrayal uh, of real people. The, the stars chosen, the director chose to cast people who weren't male model gorgeous. They're not ugly or, or mediocre or anything. They're just people who are cute, but in a way that's like all of us are cute, not in a male model, highly polished bone structure, nose job cute. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, I agree. Bilkin and Pee Pee are, are adorable. And at the same time, they're adorable in a way that people I've dated look adorable. I personally love nerds, and they look <laughs> like cute nerds to me. So uh, all of that really made it sit in the heart more closely for me. 
And the other thing about the directing, uh, which ties into the screenwriting that I appreciated so much is, for me, this story was about, it was a cross between a romance and a coming of age with the difficulties, joys and difficulties of both. And the characters bumped up against both. And here's a real good example. They had rocky, rocky parts of their relationship in both, uh, certainly in, in I Promise You the Moon, yeah. which was nothing but one long, yeah. slow landslide into difficulty. But in uh, Sunset, there were various moments where they they would run into difficulty, they'd figure it out. Then they'd run into difficulty, they'd figure it out. And oftentimes, it wasn't just a romantic difficulty like in other series. It was difficulty because they were young and green. They were young gay men. They were One of them hadn't even figured out whether or not he was truly gay. And the way that that was written and portrayed in the storytelling of the director was so much like what I went through and what I've seen other people go through. And it was genius because uh, it was much more emotional. Yeah. Everyone, everyone who watches this has reacted on Facebook saying how emotional it was and how it plucked up their hearts. And I think that's because it was so uh, real to what we all, we gay men, particularly of a certain age, um, you know, Thailand is a little bit behind, say, Belgium or Holland or the United States in where how gay people are integrated or not integrated into society. Well, what I went through is what Thailand is going through now, I would say. And so what he portrayed on the screen was what I had lived in my adolescence. And I could feel it all again because of the accuracy of this director's storytelling. So there's yeah. more to say about it. It'll come out in, in the other parts of our podcast. But that's my number one thing that I loved about it was the directing. So for me, I agree. I like the directing. I'm going to say that I agree with you that the writing is very good. I mean, you didn't really say it directly, but when you said it compares to Lovesick or is superior to Lovesick, I think that's where it is at. It's not just because of the directing, but I think it's the screenwriting. It's the actual writing. For me, you know, I, I developed this blog where I, I try to analyze every single episode of Lovesick. And the reason is that I think Lovesick is worth analyzing it has it has depth i think when it comes to the series i'm tempted to say you know what after i finish my lovesick blog if i ever do i want to try to tackle I, I told sunset about you because i think this series every episode has so much that i can talk about there is so much that i as a gay man connect with this story and like you said i i think i like the directing because it uses some elements in the series that I think a lot of directors don't use. It's almost like directors in Thailand, a lot of Thai directors, at least BL directors, maybe they're a little more green, but they just tend to use the very basic stuff. They're, they use their actors. You know, they might have a, a person that designs the set and the costumes, but here they're using a lot of visual elements to tell a story. This is something I think Game Boy yes. did very well. It's something Bad Boy did very well. And it's something that this series does very well. So I think this elevates the series. And I, I would say Lovesick did that to a very small degree. But it did it a lot better than other series. So I think that that, that really distinguished a really good series or a great series from a just run-of-the-mill series. So those are the things I really, really like. Can I segue now into the things I didn't like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please do. I was, I was, it's funny you say, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> so for me though, I disagree a little bit with the acting. I think the acting was good, but I think that like you said, the director used the actors in a very 
good way. And I think, yes. especially in I Promise You the Moon, I thought that the director really got the most out of the actors. But I think the actors themselves are not what I would say great, great actors. I think they're decent actors. And I think one I think thing... they're young actors. Yeah, they're young. I, th they're, I think yeah. they're young actors. Yeah, they're developing. And they're developing. For the first series, that was fine. And for the second season, it needed someone who was a little older, a little more seasoned to play the later parts after they've broken up. So I would say one thing I didn't like was Bill King's faces. Uh, he did a couple of oh my things God. I didn't like. Yeah. Uh, one in, is his smile when he shouldn't. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. In the same way that Ohm has a charming grin that he always uses, it's trademark for him and you yeah. love it. Bilkins was like the reverse. It was like yeah. oh God, he's <laughs> a weird, weird ass Cheshire cat grin. <laughs> it's like, Why are you grinning? Like, he's telling you you're hurting him. I, I know. What's, uh, what's the name of that Batman? Uh, oh, the, the Joker. Like he's like the Joker. Yeah. I'm like, stop, stop! Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! So yeah. that that's one thing, and I think the director of uh, I told told Sunset about you didn't really tell him like, please don't do that. I think in I, I in I Promise You the Moon he did it less, and then the other thing I yeah, would he say, did it less. yeah, is the crying. He uh, Bill King has like a terrible ugly cry, and I think that in I told Sunset about you you could kind of see his face, like the camera, like let you see everything and in i promise you the moon yeah. i felt like they kind of held the camera a little bit farther back and they didn't focus on his face as much and uh or maybe they just gave him different guidance but i felt like like he did a lot better his his crying scenes were a lot better they were a lot more believable i think in that sense that was better so that's just for me that was the one thing i would say i didn't like i i think there was not that many things i didn't like i, I would add that the treatment of some of the characters not the main characters, but I would say, for example, Bass and the secondary gay couple in I Promise You the Moon, I kind of wish they were giving a little bit more to do because I thought they were interesting characters. But that's just like a very little thing. I don't think that's a big deal. What about you? So there's a couple things to say. First of all, let me respond to <laughs> the Cheshire Cat problem that Bilkin had. <laughs> uh, I do think that the director was able to use it in Sunset, uh, to use it at times, because it would happen in times when you and I were texting to each other and going, oh my God, Tay is an asshole and he just needs to be spanked and Pee Pee uh, O needs just to just O needs just to go off with Bass. And he would he the director would have Bilkin smiling, or Bilkin would on his own, would just smile in those moments, and the smile became a kind of emblem of when he was hiding in the closet from himself. When he was doing something that hurt O, but he didn't know that he was doing it, and he'd have this goofy plastic smile which was an emblem that he had no idea, or if he did know, he kind of knew somewhere mm -hmm, in his mm -hmm. mind, but he was hiding from it. Mm -hmm. You know, the smile that someone has on their face when they're fucking you over, but they don't want you to know that they're fucking you over. That's an interesting perspective, but when Oao tells Te that he's in love with Bass, Te's reaction, yeah. he starts smiling, right? He does that, that yeah, weird yeah. smile. And, and I was like, That's why right. is he smiling? Like, it makes no sense. I just don't know. Like, it just, it didn't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I think it was perfect in that moment because the central th character, the central uh, complication and character arc for Te in, in that first season was that he's in the closet, that he hides his truth. And his truth was, I am gay and I love O. 
And so O is saying, look, I'm dating this other guy, mortal wounds to the heart, but he doesn't say, ow, that hurts, I love you. He smiles as though, oh, okay, I'm your friend and I'm supportive, that's really great. So it makes sense that it would be a torturously bizarre looking smile because it's a false smile. It's a tortured smile. It's the smile of someone who's just, their heart is just broken, but he's trying to put on a good face. So in that moment, for me, that smile worked really well. There were other times when I wanted to throw a pie in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's still, I mean, the other thing, let's just say this, it's an ugly smile. I mean, and I think you made a good point about it. Like, he doesn't have Alms, like, charming smile. That is true. But for, for me, the smile at times was annoying, but it really was a sort of um, good character, physical character trait of that character. He was goofy and inappropriately goofy because he was, frankly, in the closet, because he wasn't upfront with his truth, his emotional truth. But that's not what I didn't like about this. The, the yeah. things that I didn't like uh, were, um, number one, the way that the, 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 the climax, the resolution of the plot conflict at mm -hmm. the, in the last episode mm -hmm. of I Told Sunset About I told, You, yeah. they did such a good job such a nuanced job of the ins and outs of the relationship and how they fell apart and how they came back together and took their time doing it in a realistic way. Fabulous. That all of a sudden, O is doing, fulfilling his promise. He's going to run from the noodle shop to the, the, the ocean point where the sunset can be seen. And he starts the run. And then all of a sudden, Tay just out of nowhere shows up on a motorcycle and I'm still with you. I'm riding with you. Glorious ending. Look at them. They're running together. Oh, they're together. Isn't it wonderful? But the, it came out of nowhere. The whole series, all these episodes, all these hours of storytelling, and they had been so careful to show us why and how Tay changed his mind and made better choices and reconnected and joined with O, and how O got over his things to realize that he did or didn't love Bas, that he did or didn't love Te. But all of a sudden, they chose not to do that. They chose a kind of deus ex machina, surprise audience. Oh, isn't it what? It was a Hollywood thing. It was a Hollywood trick that they pulled on us, just having him appear on the motorcycle. So I really didn't appreciate that. It's a small thing, though. It's, you know, in, in, in all the hours of watching, it's, a, it's one small thing. It just happened to be at the complete climax and resolution of that entire series. So, okay. Can it be fair to say, because now that you said that, it, it bought another uh, thing that, that I had forgotten, but that I had mentioned, I think I mentioned it to you. I mentioned it to Dr. Hernandez in the clinic back when he sometimes yes, our, I consult our with him. Physician. Yes, the visiting physician. And I had commented yes. to Dr. He, he's Hernandez. He's the proctologist. Yeah. He's our <laughs> I wish they had given me just a little bit more of their life together. I felt like they they gave us, and again, we're analyzing both series together, right? Both seasons. They mm. gave us at the end of I Told Sunset About You, we get this feeling that, oh, they're together. They're going to be together. You know, the future looks bright for them. Then we see Last Twilight in Phuket, which is that little special episode that sort of connects both series, both seasons. And then on season, and they were happy there. And then on season two, we get maybe a little tiny bit of happiness, but there's this foreshadowing that you know things are not going to go well on the very first episode. Like mm. you start getting that, that mm. feeling. And we don't really get to see them happy. 
And I think a question that I had, and this is probably better for the analysis part, but I think a question I had, is the good for all? There was this constant question in the back of my mind. Should he be with, with him? Do they both deserve different people? And I think because we never got to see how great they are together as a couple, we cannot really root for them as a couple. You could make an argument that that was part of the story that was needed and was not presented to us. So that's just my opinion. I think that, again, these are just very small things. They're not big things. If you are a passionate BL fan uh, and you cheer at stories and you don't like the kind of deep analysis that the doctors here at the clinic do, and you just really want to just enjoy the story like a good piece of cake, and you're you're enthusiastic and your heart is uh, up high and shining with BLs, then yes, they're fine together because they are together. Yeah. If you're like us and you are really into storytelling and you really like to analyze your storytelling or your storyteller as at least one of us is, um, <laughs> then that question is the question of both series. Yeah. Is Te good for O? I don't think it's the the storytellers, the director and the writers. I don't think they had that question in their mind. I think they thought they were making a wonderful version of an otherwise regular BL. It's the structure, like the basic structure, like the steel girders of the whole, uh, sorry, we're in a clinic. The skeletal structure of the whole thing is not different, not very surprising or different than any other BL. All the tropes are there. Yeah, yeah, not the, the old tropes. The same. Yeah, yeah. It just so happens that the directing is so excellent and so poetic and lyrical that you don't really notice the tropes in the same way they stick out in other series, uh, because they meld into the story and the emotion and the feel of the piece very seamlessly. But they didn't know that there was going to be this lingering question for people like Doctor Jose and I: Is Te really good for O? I think I'm right in saying that Dr. Jose and I spent about 80 to 90% of our viewing experience of the series thinking, no, no, he's not. He's awful. He's terrible. I would say that if the answer is yes, uh, he is good for it. It's because of, I promise you, the moon. I told Sunset about you slapped on a deus ex machina happy ending that made us have to say they're okay together. Oh, there was an apology. All right. Well, and now they're together. Okay, great. Well, happy ending. And I, I know I put off my cynicism because I waited to see what they did with I Promise You the Moon. You get into I Promise You the Moon, and Tay is, you thought he was bad in Sunset. <laughs> the sun has set, and he is mooning love in the second one. He is, he is oh, oh my God, you, oh, you want to slap him with your shoe. Well, um, I don't know if you remember so, this, but uh, sorry I interrupt, but <laughs> just, I just thought about this that. For the listeners that might not know, we have a USA BL fan page. So if you are in the United States and you are a BL fan, you should join the page on Facebook. It's on Facebook? Yes. And I am the administrator of the page. And I made a posting. I am the administrator. I made a posting. And I got banned by Facebook. <laughs> like the, the post got deleted automatically because I said something like, I wa- because I, I said, I want to kill Te. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't use the K word. Yeah, yeah. So, so my answer, so my answer for ninety percent of it is like, no, he's not good for him. But, but, and this is the thing that I didn't like about the ending of Sunset, and I loved about Moon was that they took T 
time, two or three episodes to resolve the conflict in the relationship. They didn't just like, okay, they're apart, they're apart, they're apart, and something nice happens, they see each other in a restaurant, they realize they love each other, and they're together. They didn't pull it out of the blue, they made them work for it piece by piece, and that's realistic, and it's good storytelling, it gives you a lot of juicy bits to play, and they did it that way at the end of Moon, I appreciated it, and it worked. So my answer is, I can give a qualified yes that he's good for him because I saw him change. His, he grew as a person. The character grew as a person and became wiser about love and, and wiser and more empathetic to his partner by the end of the second series, by the end of Moon. And give me a third sequel that is equally as well written and directed, and that one can be about how he has grown, how they both grow now together onward. And what does a couple look, Bad Buddy did this, what does a couple look like once they've cemented their being together and they face challenges as a team working together? That's what I would want to see a third series about if they ever made one. It's been too long now, so it's, you know, if you're going to do a series, you have to do it close to the time. Otherwise, it's sort of the, the brain cools off. It's like Godfather Part 3 should never have been made, right? <laughs> so my, my qualified answer is within the series, yes, by the end, but I need a third season to really say that. And as you said, to show us them as a team facing challenges together. I'm going to say something that I slightly disagree with you in that you say this series has the same anatomy. And I must insist that the writing here is pretty good, especially for Promise You the Moon. Because I think character development here is probably among the best in any VL series I have ever watched. Yes. You see Te go from a kind of um, banal, foolish-headed young lover to a lover that has awakened through his, the, the humility brought by your own egregious mistakes to yeah. realize what love is and how important your partner is. You see, and this is the big thing, and this is what I tell people as a nun about their relationships. You see Tay get over himself to be there for his partner. That's the whole game in a relationship. And you see it, they portray it. Yes, Tay makes mistakes and then he has consequences for those mistakes and he faces them, well, and that's important. I'll disagree with you there. I, even banal ones like uh, Tohan Chamlati had that. Well, what I mean, I guess, let me rephrase that. The consequences are, are very dire. I think in other series, when a character makes a mistake, they might have broken up for a month, or maybe a week, or maybe... Yeah, or, like, it never or feels like... Yeah, but this year, I mean, it, it's really harrowing to see what happens. Uh, when I said that uh, the structures are the same as any others, I didn't mean that the plot was the same as any others. I meant that the bare bones of the plot. The, yeah, the, yeah. If you just wrote, uh, if you just wrote like for each episode, you wrote one sentence of what happens, that would be the same. But the writers and the director flushed that out in ways that were innovative, new, realistic, and as you said, at times, harrowing. That's really a good word to describe uh, the angst-ridden parts of this series. They were harrowing. But that made the, the parts where they were together and where the, where the love worked even sweeter. Yes. Uh, an example of like a plot point that is in any other series, but that they did differently, that they made both more exquisite and more realistic and then more harrowing, would be that very well-known scene when they're in, uh, I can't remember whose bedroom, I think it might be Pee-Pee's bedroom, and Tay is, they're both, they're both horny as hell, but they're not playing it like they're horny. They're playing it like they're, they're, they're feeling 
attracted to each other and feeling love for each other. And they like, like it was the most realistic portrayal of a, of an adolescent, uh, a horny adolescent. It was exactly how I remember feeling and I remember behaving. Uh, when he has his hands all over O, and he's caressing him <clears throat> from he's sitting behind him, and he's sort of embracing him and kind of rubbing his torso, and then all of a sudden he and it's really hot and it's really realistic, and then because it, it, it's a little clumsy, it's not like beautifully filmed and sensual in this poetic lyrical way. It's kind of um, clumsy and physical and fecund. And then he realizes what he's doing, and he stops, and his homophobic panic kicks in, and he runs out the building. Off he's yeah. gone. And it breaks O's heart, and it's harrowing in that moment. It's like, what the hell just happened? And it's, that moment was a beautiful mix of that combination of, uh, of uh, you know, the exquisite hot romance and then the, the harrowing separation. And they did that much with much more flamboyant color and flavor than other series do. Yeah. So why don't we talk about our, our top moments now that you're bringing up a moment that you that you enjoyed? Uh, what are your top yeah. moments for this series? I know there is a lot because there is two seasons that we're talking about. But what are your top moments? Well, I have to say that two things that were tip top for me were not moments; they were people. Mm-hmm. And I just need to put in a quick shout out for Boss and Hoon, who. I need to marry in a throuple, <laughs> both of them. Can you Hoon tell us who they are? So because people might forget. Hoon played, yeah, Hoon played uh, Bilkin's character, Tay. Hoon played his brother, his older brother, mm. uh, who was loving and compassionate and freaking hot. Oh my <laughs> God, he was gorgeous. He was so hot I could cook rice over his head. Um, <laughs> and Boss, <laughs> Boss was um, PP character O. Boss was O's best friend. And then love interest. And then not love interest, but kind of uh, one of the parts of the deus ex machina that put O back with Tay because he had overwhelming feelings for Tay. And Boss was like the, he was like the character that was the element of grace. But that actor, I hope we see him again because that, uh, his, his, the role he played, he did so well. I mean, it wasn't a lot to do, but he was just so cute and graceful that it's the kind of thing that a director would take note. And I hope we see him again. I hope we see Hoon again. And I hope it's in something torrid with a lot of scenes of swimming in skimpy bathing suits. <laughs> okay. That's my so, shout out to those yeah, characters. But my yeah. top moments, the top moments for me, uh, would have to be the moments where someone woke up. And oddly enough, usually top moments are things like uh, kisses, you know, and um, revelations and things. And I'm saying for the second podcast in a row, my one of my top moments is a tortured moment. And it is when <clears throat> in I Promised You the Moon, when uh, Te is singing on stage with his boyfriend, O. They've been in a relationship for, what is it now, four years. Yeah. And, he's, and they're singing. And O is, and it's a love song, and O is singing to Te, and Te is sort of facing O, but his attention wanders over to the other guy that he has just denied for like two episodes that he was having an affair with. Mm -hmm. He has a crush on him. He's been kind of having a quasi-affair. We found out later it's one-sided, but at the time we don't know. Uh, And the guy, well, no, we do know the guy rejected him. Before yeah. he's singing the song, the guy totally told him, "Like, no, honey, I'm that. Way. I was just manipulating you. I don't feel a thing for you." But he's on stage, and he still sings to the guy, and is just swept away in some kind of fantasy love. And he sings to the guy, and O is watching his face and sees it all. There are no words. 
No one says, I love him, I don't love you. It's nothing with Torah drama. It's all done merely with body language. And O sees it, and he gets everything. And he partly gets it because he knows Tay so well, and he's been around. He's not stupid, as he says. And then they, he leaves, and Tay catches him, and there's like often sort of the kitchen of the cafe where they are, and Tay's like, what, what? You know, it is stupid asshole Tay way. And <laughs> o, it, o, o confronts him, and he says, do you think I'm stupid? Do you think I didn't notice? Do you think I didn't see? And he's hitting him with these sunflowers. And it's a brilliant moment because yes. it's real, and it's climactic, but he's hitting him with sunflowers in the series i promise you the moon he's destroying the sunflowers that he was going to give tay and these sunflowers are sunflowers call back to i told sunset about you so it's destroying all of the togetherness that had been built through the the, the, the first season sunset just a little symbolic touch that i absolutely loved and and that was a key moment for me what about you can you remind me what's the callback to the first season was called i told sunset about oh, you okay yeah yeah and when the relationship falls apart the biggest it's the biggest fall apart of the entire two seasons yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what he's you're beating him with sunflowers yeah yeah no it's interesting because Tay also wears a shirt that says "Moon" in "I Told Sunset About You." At the very, the very end uh, scene, he has a mm. a shirt that has characters in Chinese that spell "Moon." So that's kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't love that moment just because of that symbolism. It's just yeah. part of why. I yeah, it's the acting. Moment. The acting is good. You know, it's it's just a good scene. No, I agree. Um, For me, yeah. it is. It is. It's all parts. It's acting and all. But the writing, the the writer is the person who invented that scene. And yeah, yeah. Uh, kudos to the writer. Yeah. So what's yours? Top moment. Oh, it's for really. Me? Oh, yeah. there's yeah. just there's so many top moments. The staircase scene. I don't know if you remember that, but that's when they tell me. So when they they're in in the hotel in Oz hotel, and yep. they uh, I think Tech comes in and they start kissing and there's a staircase and they kind of go behind the staircase and they keep yes, kissing. Yes, they hide behind the staircase. Yeah, And it's just, just something very organic about this scene, something very realistic about that scene. It's exactly it's also, what I would have done at that age. Exactly, and it's beautifully shot. So I love that scene. I really like that scene. Now, the other mm -hmm. scene that I really like is a scene that made me cry. It was kind of simple, but it was powerful. And that was the scene when Te is... Is distraught because he has given his place to Oao, and O has decided to not take his place at college. Right. And so he has lost his placement in college. He has lost O because O doesn't yeah. want to talk to him anymore. He just broke up right. with his girlfriend. So he has lost everything pretty much. And uh, yes. now his grandma, he's, he's not his grandma, his mom, who's a sweetheart, you know, I love his mom. He's yep. super distraught also. She finds out that he's gay. I think that's the scene where she finds out that he's gay or at least suspects it. And he has lost everything. Everything. And he sits in in bed and he's crying. Or I think he's sort of... I think he's crying, yeah. This is why I wanted to watch this again so I could remember all this detail. But yeah, I think he's crying. And then he finds a note from his brother that says that he will pay his college tuition so that he can go to like another school and just the act of his brother supporting him not caring that his brother is gay like he doesn't 
care that his brother is gay. He just wants to support his brother, be a loving brother, be there for him. I cried. That scene made me cry. It's the only scene that made me yes. cry a lot. I would say that was that scene yes. really made me cry. Yeah. All of my second favorite moments were exactly, that was one of them, because they are moments of compassion. And the, every time there was a moment of compassion like that, it uh, it put my heart right up in my throat. And when the mother finally accepts him, that's yeah. another one. And there were a lot of moments in Moon when they are finally coming together, when they offer each other compassion. When... I mean, it's a real theatrical device, but when oh, uh, Tay gets O to come and see his play, and his play says everything that he couldn't say. Like, you and I are both uh, very on about series where a couple's breaking up, and they're like, but won't, but just listen to me, I can explain. And then they never explain, and the guy walks yeah. out, and you're like, why didn't you just tell him what the deal was? And, you know, I was feeling that way, and then all of a sudden, it's like, like, is he going to tell him? Is he going to tell him? And then the play happened. I was like, oh, that's how he's going to tell him. Okay. Yeah. Moments of compassion. So what, what other, did you have other top moments? There are a couple of moments, not of compassion, but I think of total despair that I, I like because someone said that to some degree, the, especially I promised you the moon is almost like a deconstruction of Te. You have this character study yeah, you know, yeah, of yeah. Te and it's like a deconstruction yeah. of Te. And I think... I thought it was very realistic. I think it was so hard to watch, but that scene, and I would say this is probably the hardest scene to watch for me, but this scene where, and I cried, I think, in that scene, where Tay, I'm getting emotional right now, but where, where Tay goes to uh, O's apartment, and O is, is sitting in the sofa by himself, and his friends have sort of isolated him from Tay, so they don't want Tay to see him. Yeah. And they have been providing right. him because this is not at, at O's house. This is at somebody else's house, I think. Or I think it's at somebody yes. else's house. Uh, and Q. There, it, yeah, Isn't Q's, it Q's house. house. Yeah. So he's like staying there with him. And so he's like completely destroyed, right? And he's just trying to have mm. this semblance of dignity. He's sitting there trying to act like everything is okay and he's fine and he's going to mm. pull himself together. And then Tank co comes mm. in to talk to him. And pretty much he lays it out to Tay and says, you know, you, this is it. You, you can't be with me, you know, like we're not going to be together, yeah. you know. And yeah. oh, that just, oh, it just hit me so hard. He you says know? it in such a, yeah, he says it in such a way that is so mean and angry and final, really yeah. like death blow. And you're like, I, I, you leave the scene and you're like, I don't know how they're getting together after that one. That was yeah. very, like unequivocally a breakup. But you know yeah, you're doing that it. Scene yeah. So, yeah, no, that was, scene was so yeah. well written. Yeah, it was they well gave written. PP, they gave PP the best dialogue. It, of all the BLs I've ever seen, PP really says the real truth of what is going on in a breakup like that. It was the way that he countered Tay's bullshit uh, and the things that he said about the truth of how he felt and, and what how it all had happened to him was more realistic uh, and, and smart than I've ever seen. And so kudos to the writer for there. And the ambientation for this scene, you know, I think was great too. So I think the directing was good because, uh, you know, just him sitting there by himself, you know, it's what I would imagine I would be doing. You know, I would imagine that I would be, mm -hmm. be feeling miserable and my friends are trying to support me and I'm there just sitting there by myself. I don't want to talk to anybody, not even my friends. I'm just sitting there alone and then here comes this guy and i just have to put myself pull myself together it, mm. it's just i like this scene but i would say it's one of the most difficult scenes that i have seen in, in bl 
part of it, I think, I, you know, I, th- I told you this, you know, like, I think for me, there's this personal connection I have to the story that I have messed up myself in my relationships. And I have been maybe not all the way doing what Ted did, but I probably have done things of similar caliber, let's say, maybe less. And I have had to ask for forgiveness. And and you just never know what the person will say. And when the person tells you, I can forgive you, but I can not forget what you did, or I can forgive you, but you hurt me, you know, like that hurts you back because I think, and this, I think I could see Ted, like, mind, and I could, I could see how his mind was ticking, you know, like, or, or where he was coming from, let's say, because, because I think he really loves all. And I think that what yes. he did was very stupid. And I think that particular, like you said, that finality of, of how all says things, I think that really, it didn't hurt him, but it just caused him to suffer because he can see that what he has done has made his the person that he loves suffer and that that suffering is nothing there's nothing he can do there's nothing he's just impotent um i don't want to say impotent <laughs> uh what's the no, other it's word clever. it's a clever it's it, well it's yeah a clever way of saying. yeah he's he is, impotent he's powerless yeah. he's powerless he's impotent, he's impotent. In, yeah. in having no ability to change it yeah yeah he cannot change he, can't, what he, he cannot did. Yeah. make it fix he cannot fix it he cannot make it yeah. right again yeah, I was gonna say despotent, but I think impotent is probably a better word. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he he's just really feeling like he cannot, he cannot do anything, and that, that I think that feeling I I have sort of felt that, and I think it is it is a harrowing feeling, and I think that scene is so powerful because again, it's just it just I identify with it. So yeah, yeah. What about you? Is there anything else? One... Yeah. There is one more thing, and it was the my favorite moment in uh, I Told Sunset About You, just because, I mean, it, there, was not, there was no dialogue, there was hardly any acting, it was really all cinematography, and it was The Kiss Underwater. Oh, you like that? I was not that um, big of a fan of it, it but was, yeah, it was okay for it, me. I, underwater yeah. kisses are like a dime a dozen in Thai BLs, I've seen a lot of them, mm. but this one was so lyrical. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, way yeah. they had the a symbolism, long yeah. shot, and the ca- the main characters weren't the actors necessarily, weren't even the kiss. It was the water, and the hair were the main characters of those scenes because what they portrayed was sensuality, not even sexuality, sensuality, lyrical, beautiful sensuality as a visual expression of the vapors of love that well up through your whole being when you have a first romantic kiss. Yeah. It epitomized that feeling that is so intense when you're young. And it, 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 it was a very long shot, too. It absolutely beguiled me. And I thought, this is one of the best filmed kisses and certainly the best underwater kiss I've seen in any genre of any country. You know, it was funny. Like, I think... I get the symbolism, so I think it was an important scene, and I think I mean I I seen the behind I've seen the behind the scenes, so I know they worked very hard on that kiss. So it was not that easy to film. They actually they didn't use doubles, and there is no special effects. They did it underwater. Before we finish this category, do you have any other top scenes? Yes, there is another top scene that I really like, and I think it's because it's a shocking scene to some degree, and it has it's full of symbolism, and that is the scene 
when Ted rejects all and all is trying to he's going through all these emotions right so he goes he takes his shirt off and he puts this red bra on yes right the bra on yeah yes and he looks at himself in the mirror yeah you know he takes and a picture falls apart yeah and he falls apart yeah. and he and puts he posts the picture, picture online and yeah and then he falls apart yeah 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 but Ted sees the picture and then Ted sees the picture and then he starts masturbating after you know he sees the picture he starts masturbating looking at that you know, one guy that he likes, but the the famous Chinese actor. Yeah, yeah the famous Chinese actor. But and I then thought, he falls apart. Yeah, and then he falls apart. He doesn't. He doesn't finish masturbating. He yeah, falls he, into he, tears. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the yeah. whole thing They're was just having, yeah. The whole thing was just amazing. They're both I, having I, a, yeah. gay, a gay. They're having a gay exploration moment. Yeah, gay like oh, like uh, Tay is freaking out like oh my god I'm gay I'm reacting to this I'm gay and. And and always having this experience of his homosexuality and kind of like, well, how like, am I a woman? Am I not a woman? Am I see, uh, am see, I, a feminine? I, am I not a feminine? And, I I interpret that a little bit different. I for me, yes, that could be part of it. And I I would say the way it was filmed, I think it left it open. I think you could interpret that as maybe mm-hmm. all explores the idea that maybe he could be uh, gender fluid. But I think for mm-hmm. me, what that scene convey was his desperation. Because he didn't know what else to do, so he wonders, okay, he likes women. What if I become a woman for him? Oh, That's how I saw yeah. it. Yeah. That's why I think he falls apart. But I like that scene because there's so much. And, and it, just the fact that you and I saw it differently, I think it just tells you how good that scene was. Uh, because I think mm. that's art, where you can see something different and I can see something different. I think that means that it's speaking by itself. It's giving yeah. life. And I, I thought that was just a very good scene. So anyway, just wanted to put that out there. So I wish I had seen this again because I think there's probably more things that I'm forgetting. And maybe people will say, hey, what about this? You know, but I probably it's forget. okay. Our yeah. listeners can only tolerate us for an hour. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to know what your favorite moments were. So please put them in the comments on our Facebook page or on USA uh, BL US. What is it? USA BL. Oh, the USA BL Facebook page. Yeah. So we want to know what your top moments were in both series. So please leave them in comments when we post this podcast and you find it on the USA BL page or any other BL page where you find it posted. Tell us what your favorite moments were. We really want to know. Better actor. PP or, or Bilkin? What do you think? I'm going to say what I think, PP. but what do you think? PP? I, I agree. I think PP. It's PP. Yeah, yeah. PP. One small comment on the acting. I, I do feel that PP is quite an accomplished actor. Um, I thought they were both good, uh, but I thought I felt like PP had what Nenon has, which is an ability to just be himself. And and this is something that people pay thousands of dollars to Stella Adler and the Lee Strasberg Institute and all the acting schools to learn how to not act. When he was on that couch in the scene you just described, he was exactly himself going through those emotions and having those reactions and saying those words as though he were saying them in a realistic in a real situation. Uh, so he's got that knack and, and that's kudos. Here's something that I noticed, and we've yeah. talked about it in a prior series, and that was the director's use of colors. And we talked about it with Bad Buddy. And the weird thing is that uh, this was made like, I don't know, were they made at the same time? Was it made a year before? But the colors that they used are the same colors. Blue, yellow, and red were woven throughout the series. More in I Told Sunset About You than I Promised You the Moon. 
uh, because there were different directors. So I think that maybe Boss had more of a thing about colors than Mean did. But certainly in uh, Sunset, they the blue, yellow, and red were all through and used all through. And the nearest I can figure, I really want to know what your thoughts are, Dr. Jose, because the, the nearest I can figure is that blue was sensuality or was togetherness, and that when the relationship was working, they were surrounded with blue. But I'm not 100% sure because I found them like one would be wearing blue, then the other one would wear yellow, then they'd switch, then they'd wear both, and sometimes they'd both wear red. And I couldn't tell what he was doing, like what the, you know, and maybe I'm up in my head about it, like it must mean this or it must mean that. Maybe it was just a poetic use of the three primary colors, which always go together. Uh, what did you think? I think maybe that there is, in this case, there is like some color symbolism, because if you remember the red hibiscus, I think there was some symbolism involving the color red for sure. And I think the hibiscus, especially because if you remember uh, when Tess starts I think he's the one that's painting and he, he goes on on his own head and he paints the flower a different color. He's supposed to be yes. red and he paints it, I think, purple. He's so, supposed to, he's, yeah. I think hers is purple. It's supposed to be purple and he paints it red. Oh, he paints it red. Yeah. Am okay. Yeah. That's right. Maybe, maybe but you're, no, right, you're right. Yeah. And, and it has to be said that the hibiscus is one of the most often referenced flowers for representing sexuality. Yes. Because yeah. it's yeah. a big penis sticking out of a big hole. Yes, yes, and I actually noticed on my second view, because I started watching it again, that when uh, she says the word hibiscus to Te, in one, in one scene they're yeah. eating, and she says the word hibiscus, and he, she looks at her own, like, her boobs, you know, and she's, like, trying, yeah. and she's like, oh, you know, I say hibiscus, and then you look at my boobs, like, so I think there's this connection between, like you said, hibiscus and sex, or hibiscus and... Totally. Oh, many, it's often used many, as a sex yeah, symbol. Yeah, but it's probably a sex yeah, symbol. Yeah. So there's that, and I think there is also the the color red itself. But I think yeah. beyond that, I don't know, blue and yellow. I think in general, blue is always associated with the beach. You know, it's associated with water. It's associated with innocence. Maybe there is some of that. Maybe their love is innocent. So that's why you see a lot of blue when they're together. Well, we were uh, just talking about the scene with the kiss, uh, the kiss underwater. They're yeah. surrounded in that particular, uh, and it wasn't just any blue that this series used. It was a particular shade of sky blue or light blue. Yeah. Uh, like the Russians, like we said in the last podcast, Golubboy, uh, the gay color in Russia. So they were surrounded with it underwater and they kiss and it was the most romantic moment. And then they come out of the water and have another breakup. Yeah. And then, no, like but they, almost they, immediately. but before that, they play with the flowers. Remember? And there's that red flower again. I, don't... I think that's that scene. So, right. So, the, so like red, the red flower leads them into the world of the, the blue sensuality yeah. and romance. And then they come out of the blue and break up again. Oh, okay. 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 So that one will fall apart before, again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there is some. You know, because I did notice the yellow, but in this case, Stay wears a lot of yellow, is what I noticed. And then yeah. Paul yes. wears a lot of red, like his, his red pants that I he think... He wears red and, and blue, mm -hmm. and he wears light blue yeah. as well. At some but his red shorts that I think... He totally yes. looks good in him. Like, I'm like, oh my god, like, yeah. I, yes, I would say, like, I was more attracted to all than anybody else. Like, I, I think Pippi is extremely attractive. Uh, you were attracted to oh i was attracted not to a lead character i was attracted to boss i know, and to I know. Hoon more than yeah. anyone else i'm yeah, waiting for the sequel where boss and hoon get together hoon gets a divorce and he finds boss yeah 
Oh, you know, it's funny. Is Doctor Hernandez is attracted to Bilkin. And between the three of us, we licked the plate clean. Yeah, apparently. I mean, we could just go there and just it's a buffet. You know, everybody gets what they want. <laughs> so it's a yes, it's a but it's a buffet. I thought that the other thing this series did very cleverly was the use of symbols and the use of symbolism throughout. And so we talk about the symbolism of the flower, but there was also the actual Chinese characters. And one thing, and I'm just going to give this as an example. For example, in the very beginning, when Te and O are kind of at each other's, I would say throats, but they're like not really talking. They're not on talking terms, right? And so mm -hmm. Te writes the word rivals a lot. Yeah. And that's rivals, rivals, rivals. And then when they actually start becoming more intimate, then he writes the word intimate. So basically, a yes. lot of the scenes or the... You can divide this in sections, and those characters that you see repeated like that represent what's happening in that particular section of the story. So I think that, that was clever here. Well, let me just say this. I think this, this series, like you said, is very lyrical. There's a lot to it, and there's a lot of depth to it. I personally might consider doing a series of blogs on the different episodes because I think there's enough here to analyze an entire episode for a long time. It is a very dense series in that sense. Okay, so observations and questions. I think my main question, I have a question here that I wanted to put forward. The first season is called I Told Sunset About You. The sunset was that he was going to go and proclaim something, right? He was going to proclaim... To the sun. To yes. the sun. And he, that yeah. what he wanted to do because he had made a promise, I think, or something. Right, I forget. Right. So basically, I thought, oh, he's going to yell at the sunset that he loves. Oh, I mean, Te was going to do that. I thought Te would like yell at the, the sunset that he it was going to say. It would have been important it. for Te to yell it because Te yeah. was the one who had to get over himself yes, to exactly. make the relationship work. So he should have yelled, I love O at the sun. Exactly. And, and I felt like that was such a weird thing like we're gonna call this i told sunset about you and then all of a sudden they're not gonna go there yes the main confession scene happens in front of the sunset but i didn't feel like that was the way that i thought things would go <laughs> so it was weird did neither thing with a with a beautiful poetic title like that you either need to literally yes you know have it happen in some way even a symbolic way which they didn't or it's just pure poetry and you don't do it at all. It's just a beautiful way of saying, I feel so much about you that it is though I would go and tell the sunset how much I love you. And yeah. you don't do it literally, but we see how much you feel. And so it's a poetic way. But what they did was they actually went to the place where you would do it and there was the sunset and then they didn't do it. Yeah. So they didn't either. Now, and then the second series yeah. had like, Almost nothing about the moon. The first episode had some moon things. And then I didn't see any moon thing at all. And the resolution happened on a sunny day on a beach. So well, but, but remember, the, the second series uh, is called I Promise You the Moon because it's based on the, I think the, I think it's the play within the play is called I Promise You the Moon. And basically what it no, is about. No, the play within the play is called I Told Sunset About You. Is it? I thought it was yes. called I Promise You the Moon. I'm pretty sure it's called I Promise You the Moon. It is not. It is called it is not. It is called okay. I Told Sunset About You. Yeah, but the, the phrase I Promise You the Moon comes yeah. from the idea that in a relationship, people tend to do that. They tend to promise yeah. you the moon, but the, they are not yeah, able yeah. to deliver. And so the lesson was 
I'm not going to promise you the moon. I'm just going to love you, you know, and I'm going to be my, do my best. So yeah. I think at the, in the very end, when he tells him, like, I'm not going to make big promises. I think it's at the beach for that same reason. Like, when they first get together, they make all these promises. Now he's saying, I'm not going to make all those promises because I know they can be in vain, which is kind of sad. So that's yeah. what I got from that. I actually understood the second one better, but maybe I'm just pe- being picky. There were both poetic ways of of declaring love to me, but I, they just they baffled me a little bit uh, more in the second one than the first one. Because if you're creating such a powerful image as sunset or sun and moon, then as a director, and certainly as a cinematographer, you work those themes in verbally, visually, behaviorally throughout, not all the time necessarily, but you play with it as you're going. Well, I didn't see any of that in I Promise You the Moon outside of the first episode. And I told Sunset about you, it was kind of there. The beach was their special place. The beach as a, as a place where their love works um, was pretty strong in both like they and when it all resolves like they're on the beach at the end of yeah, always a, yeah so, always you know, the so like the, that was the biggest theme, running theme for me was the beach and the colors yellow blue and red those were the oh and the mother's noodles those were the, the, the biggest themes of the whole thing for me now the other the other question i, I get, have i get yeah. it i get why they had the beach so often because yeah. tay was 90 percent of the time behaving like a real beach <laughs> well, so this this uh, segues into my next question. Do you think that when Tay gave up his spot in yeah, I told Sunset to University to yeah. the uni- yeah for the university, do you think that was selfish or selfless? Yeah, it was absolutely selfless. It was done out of uh, love and care for O. O's response puzzled me a little bit for a while, and then I got it. O's response makes sense, not as a "I'm angry at you," I throw this back at you. It was because you don't trust me to do well. You can't let me succeed or fail on my own and respect my life's path as I determine it and as I play it out myself and just be there for me, whatever I do. You're trying to do the thing for me because you think I can't make it. Well, you know, for me to have faith that I can make it. And if I don't, that I'll be okay. For me, somebody needs to explain that seen to me because I thought it was a plot hole because if I remember correctly although I don't think all knew it but I know that Tay had been told by all's friends that all was not going to take the test and so the reason Tay did that is because he was he knew that all had given up even given that I understand that all could say well I wanted to do something and Tay just forced me to do something else so basically, before that scene where Te gives up his spot so that all can go, and then Te was going to go and take the, the regular test, right? So before he did that, there is they were not talking to each other. All had not gone to the Chinese class because he had decided he didn't want to take the test. When Te goes and talks to all's friends, they tell him, like, he said he was not going to go to the class anymore, and he said he's not going to take the test when Tay makes that decision, he makes that decision based on the fact that he knows that all is not going to take this test. Now, do we think Tay is a good person? Do we think that Tay deserves all? Do we think that they're going to be together, let's say, 10 years from now? For me, I would say, I think that was the core of this story. I think that Tay in the beginning is really selfish. And you can see it in, I, I told Sunset about you, you can see him 
being selfish. And it's kind of interesting because there are a lot of instances where you can see that I don't think it was done randomly. I think it's done on purpose. I think this is a character that starts uh, with a very selfish uh, love and then ends being selfless. But he has to go through fire in order to get there. Well, I think that's completely accurate. This is a story about coming of age. And it really is Tess's story. Oh, is... is <laughs> Oh, is really a supporting character, yeah. like a really important, really present supporting character. But as you said, in uh, in Moon, he's not in it nearly as much as he was in Sunset. It is about Tay and Tay's development, and Tay is a very human character. And by that, I mean he's got all the lovely stuff, and he's got piles of the crappy stuff. Yeah, he's flawed. All of us, uh, he yeah. is absolutely flawed, and his flaws that we watch change are the flaws of, like you said, selfishness. I think his love is not selfish. I think it's very sincere. I think his the way he deals with his love and reacts to his love and reacts to O's love for him is selfish. So his behavior is selfish. The love is pure and it just gets done injustice, warped maybe, mishandled because he is selfish, being young, juvenile, and selfish. And he has to grow out of that, which he finally does by the end. Yeah. Like you said, walking through fire. He is he's uh, in the crucible. He is a steel rod that is red hot burning and banged the crap out of on an anvil with a hammer by the end of the by, by the end of both series. And I think he tends to for example, he sees all with like this haircut and he sees that someone told all that you could be an actor because he has a lot of followers on Instagram and one of the followers said actually it was Bass. And by the way, you know what's Bass name on Instagram? I learned this no. watching it again. Bass Catball. The actor's name or the character? No, no, the character. Oh. Bass Catball. <laughs> yeah, nice, I very nice. I, I would, frankly, I'd love, I would love to focus on Bass's balls. Yeah. <laughs> so so cute. Yeah, he's super cute. So Bass tells him like, oh, you know, you could be an actor. You look like this one actor. And so then Te, he does his, his hair the same way that all does, and oh, he this, takes yes. pictures the with same the angle and everything. Yeah, with the gel and everything. Yes. And then he even goes yep. to class exactly like that. So yep. he's imitating. Right. Oh, And then there's this other scene where all tells all his friends that he's a virgin. Tay gets a little bit upset because, oh, you told you told him. And he's like, I want to feel special. Later on, we see Tay telling his quote-unquote friends, they're not really his friends, classmates, that he's a virgin. And they look at him like, that's weird. And he repeats a phrase that all told him. Well, but you're my friend, so, you know, we're all friends. So basically, he's imitating him. It's like the most immature type of love. He sees this person, he admires all, and he imitates him. And I think it's very immature of him. So I think maybe you're right. Maybe it's not the love that's immature. Maybe he's just immature. And and he yeah. matures and grows and becomes a better person in the end. Which is And squints his yeah. eyes and smiles. Yeah, and finally, we get a good genuine smile from him <laughs> yes. and, so and then he grows up goes to college and he meets a completely creepy creepy guy in the theater department oh yeah and then he falls for him which i could never understand but i think part of it is this idea that that he likes him because he they're into the same thing and i think one of the other things about about this series that i like is in I Promise You the Moon, you see them growing apart, and it's done very natural. Like, I feel like mm. I understood, I felt like that's something that can actually happen. I think, I, I know I had a boyfriend that I felt like we were growing apart, and, you know, eventually we, we, we broke up. And instead of talking about it, and they, they make this point yeah. later in that series, in one of the later episodes, instead of talking about it, 
they just go, oh, gee, that hurts. Oh, well, maybe I'll just go over here then and get satisfied in something else. Any closing remarks? I really look forward to seeing what the producing and directing team of of either either episode, to see what Boss does or what Boss and Mean do together. I don't know if it'll involve these actors, but I really want to see what they do next in the BL genre. I don't know if they, a lot of their experience was not in BLs, so I don't know if they'll revisit but I, I really hope they do. I wish Tay all the best. Uh, uh, I hope he has a really wonderful career. I really look forward to what PP is going to do, PP Crit, because he is so, in his beautiful music video, he's so not only comfortably gay, but he paints his canvas with the gayness of his personality. And it's not the only thing that he is as a person, but it's one of the beautiful things that he is as a person. And he is free and confident in expressing it and being it on film. So I really look forward to see where he will go with who he is uh, and the art that he delivers to us. Yeah. So now comes our final diagnosis of this patient. The patient arrived with a big reputation, which we had to explore and find out and poke the organs and find out if it was worth the reputation. I feel my own diagnosis is that it, the that the reputation was well warranted. I think that uh, the reputation that the uh, patient is uh, needs to visit Dr. Pimple Popper because there were a few things that uh, for me didn't work, um, like that weird Deus Ex Machina on the motorbike scene at the ending of uh, I Told Sunset About You. But that overall that those were just cosmetic difficulties, and the patient uh, probably deserves another place beside Bad Buddy on the our prized most valuable valued shelf in the sperm bank. What do you think? What's your diagnosis? I think that I told Sunset about you is definitely one of the best BLs of 2020, which had a lot of great BLs. I think I told Sunset about you is probably in my top 10 right now. Contrary to a lot of people, I prefer I Promise You the Moon. I think it is a lot more mature. I think it is a lot more, it's deeper. It has, it has depth. And I didn't enjoy it in the way that I enjoy other series where I actually am smiling and I am going crazy. You know, I'm, I'm a Fudanshi and I'm doing what Fudanshis do, which is shipping and, and going crazy for all my, uh, my char the characters. But I think that this series definitely, you know, even though it's hard to watch probably more than once, it is a really good series. And I definitely think I Promise You the Moon, without a doubt, goes in this sperm bank. I, I, I think yeah. I told Sunset oh, you should probably go in the sperm bag because of the cinematography. The script is okay, but the cinematography is great. Yeah. For me, they both deserve the reputation of uh, top 10 BLs of all time. Yes. For yeah, I agree Sister Unity's favorite BLs, they're not in, it's not in my top 10. Oh, really? It's probably, I, I, it between in it's probably in my top 20, but it's not my top 10. I recognize its quality, but just because of personal taste, it was more angsty than I usually like. Uh, there's just others that delight me for a variety of reasons, just for personal delight. So I definitely recognize, though, that it is in the top, it deserves to be in the top 10 of all time of BLs objectively. I just have crushes on different people. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to address this idea that, that some people have said that, that I told Sunset about you and the yearbook are very similar. I think that they have some similarities, but I think they're very different. I think the yearbook is a, is a series that plays with the concept of time. And it, it's like they're playing with the way a, a story is told. It's, told. it's a, it's a non-linear storytelling which I don't see in I Promise You the Moon or I Told Sunset About You, 
So I think the yearbook is very different. It's like a different flavor. I think that the other thing that the yearbook has is it's set in the 90s or early 2000s. So it's a little bit different in that sense. I think tonally they have some similarities and I think that's what people see similar. And, and the other thing is that they're both coming of age stories. They're both set in high school. They're both, they both have a time jump, but I don't think Actually, the, 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 I promise you the moon doesn't really have a time jump as much as it just it happened through a long period of time. So again, I think they're very different. So I don't think they're as similar as people think. And I think that's something I want to address in a blog. So I will address that eventually in a blog. Well decided. Yeah. They are not conjoined twins. No, And they're they not, not paternal friend, twins. They're fraternal twins. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> well, okay. on we go then into 2022 and the plethora of uh, BLs that, that must be uh, watched and discussed. And we will go back in time and we will do some other of the juggernaut early BLs as well. So please yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, at some tuned. point. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the BL Clinic. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep watching BL and support your actors. But please, don't obsess too much. That's right. Remember to be a fan, but not infatuated. So we hope you enjoyed our work, and we'll see you back in the clinic. Cough, cough. <laughs>